The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Hollinger and Duncan here uh, a day earlier than we normally would because we want to let this percolate a bit uh, before the draft. Uh, hopefully, my mention of the term percolate didn't lead to John just... Uh, Pavlovian salivation, uh, uh, thinking about coffee. Uh, but how you doing, man? Fortunately, there's a cup of coffee right in front of me, so it didn't didn't really take long to you know, just like percolate. Ah, coffee. Okay, we're good. <laughs> is is that really enough though? Do you need a second cup? Is that is that especially if you're talking to me? I don't know if one cup of coffee is going to be enough to, to keep you. We're interested. yeah, we're. That this this could be an endurance battle for me. This this could get interesting. <laughs> Fortunately, I mean, I preloaded before you know before I came into this. You know, this is I am not on my first cup right now. So so ho- hopefully this this will be enough to get me through. Okay, well let's uh, let's begin here. I've been fastidiously not reading any of your stuff because I wanted to keep this conversation fresh. Well, I'm and- sure you have that in common with most of our listeners. So. <laughs> Well, I, another thing uh, I have in common with most of our listeners is that I've heard that joke before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get uh, some new right. material for next season. Okay, let's talk Beal trade. Let, let's just get right down to it here because it's been a few days since it went down. Would you have done this as the Phoenix Suns or not? No. I, I, understand, oh. I understand the idea is that you you want to do something and Beal is available and who else is going to be available you see i think they just they they went for the easy thing that was available and shiny and the way out of this was to do something hard um which was to either turn Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton into multiple pretty good players so that you can play a real five-man rotation in a playoff game. And I, I just feel like that, like that's the way the Miami Heat would have dealt with this, right? Because they paint themselves into corners and then they get themselves out. And they get themselves out by figuring out a way to do something that's kind of hard but still possible. And like... The the Suns, I think, totally devalued Chris Paul um, far beyond what his whatever you think of his uh, decline this last season, and they took on a bad contract. Like, I mean that that Beal deal is a like that that is not a good contract. Whatever he gives you now, I understand that. Like, he's a good player right now, but that is not a good contract. And the other thing is he's so duplicative. Like, isn't it right now? Isn't he basically Walmart Booker? 
Yeah, I, I did make that point that there are uh, two of the more similar guys in the league in terms of playing style, uh, although Booker obviously uh, is better than him at this point. And when when you put three high volume guys together, you don't that 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 doesn't become additive because at least one of them has to become lower volume. And I presume that guy is Beal, and maybe he reverts to being a better three point shooter as he was when he played with John Wall, but you're still, you're, you're still banking on, I, th- I think Booker or Durant getting to a, to a place as a passer where, where, where I can really leverage Beal. I, I guess the, whatever you think of Beal as a $40 million player in Washington, I think it's less likely that he's a $40 million player in Phoenix. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and you know, I don't necessarily disagree with all of those points. I actually like the deal for them. Uh, and I mean, not in the sense of like, oh man, they're the championship favorites now. But I think just uh, given where their situation was, I think it was actually a, a, a pretty good deal for them to make. But yeah, let's, let's hit on some, some of the points there. Um, I, I mean, I, and it's interesting. I guess you didn't really even talk about the future financial constraints. We can hit on that too. But I, I think. Well, the, the future financial constraints are pretty severe because they're looking at a situation where they're going to have a future draft pick put in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think they can get out. It, if, if they're just they're going to be in the second apron probably for two years and then after 26 then they'll be able to cleanse by being out for three years so it'll be put in jail but then it'll be taken they'll be taken out presumably because it's going to be a new era um yeah i mean i think the first thing i would talk about is this the idea you had you know the miami heat wouldn't have dealt with it this way uh the miami heat the way that they get out of jail is they find max Struess and gabe vincent and duncan robinson and they pay them the minimum so it doesn't matter that they kind of have these these bad contracts on their books like a, a Kyle Lowry or they draft a, a Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero at 14 and have them on rookie contracts uh, at times. So I think like I, I don't know that Phoenix was going to be able to duplicate that regardless, but I think where I disagree with you and I think the many people who don't like this deal is just I don't think that there was a better option than this. I mean, you mentioned like moving Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton Mm -hmm. for rotation pieces is hard. I think it's so hard that I wouldn't have wanted to count on that. They just didn't have any other assets to make that happen. The market for Ayton was soft. I'm not, you know, nobody really wanted Chris Paul at 30 million either, at least to send back positive value that was going to help you more than Chris Paul. So I, I think maybe where I, I mean, let me ask you this. Let's say if the Suns just kept Chris Paul or traded for Bradley Beal, are you better on the floor next year with Bradley Beal over Chris Paul? I think it's a closer call than people think. Oh yeah, I, t- I totally disagree with you on that. I think okay. Chris Paul was was washed. He can't shoot off the ball. He's I, I mean I know Beal has uh, been hurt some, although part of that was a wrist issue. But Chris Paul I think has at least double the risk of being injured as Bradley Beal does. He's gonna be thirty nine, not gonna be effective in the pick and roll. He really fell off there as a scorer. Also, I actually think Beal will be better for them defensively than Chris Paul would have been because I think he he actually can lock in a little bit on the ball. I think he's gonna be better defensively that people think uh you know kind of in a real situation and not having to be the primary guy i think as your worst
first defender. I, I like him. Okay. Like I think he can hold up reasonably well on the first two dribbles and isn't going to get blown by. He can actually perform a closeout, which Chris Paul can't do. So, and Bradley Beal is going to get guarded at the three point line and he might actually make a bunch of shots too. We'll see. So, uh, and he's going to have a whole off season to really work on that catch and shoot game of being more of a support guy. And he has, you know, very good raw shooting tools. So I think they're way better. Uh, in next year's playoffs and then maybe even more so during the regular season with uh, Bradley Beal and Chris Paul but it, it uh, particularly given that Chris is going to turn 39 during next year's playoffs. Yeah I mean obviously the the age curve on Chris Paul is something that you worry about of course the the Rockets worried about that too and then they sent him to Oklahoma City and he had a great year and led him to the playoffs. Yeah I mean even that was like kind of unlikely but he made all these changes and stuff but that's like Chris was still reasonably effective when healthy. He just couldn't stay healthy, you know, in in that 2019 season. And that's when he was 33, not 39. Yeah. I mean, obviously his, his, I don't want to dismiss the concern over his age. Like I, you know, was he going to pay off on a $30 million contract for this year? I think that was unlikely. I also think it was ridiculous that they were looking at waiving him at the same time. Um, I, it just, it made, it just, smacked of them being incredibly unimaginative and hey Isaiah Thomas is involved so imagine that um I I also don't think it ever really dawned on them that they could stretch Landry Shamit yeah uh as opposed to stretching Paul you mean but the, then you still would have just been going for what just to get the the tax mid-level if you if you if you, stri- if you if you had stretched Landry Shamit over seven years the tax mid-level would have been much more reasonable and then you have time now keep in mind like the whole idea of this is not to win games in november right yeah. you have until next february to do whatever your big move is with you know Aiden or cp if you want rather than jumping in on this so and i think it's going to come out that they gave up a bunch of stuff too like i, I think it's i the the whisper is it's going to be two pick swaps and which may not end up mattering if they're 24 and 26. Like, you know, what are the odds that Washington is better in Phoenix in those years? Yeah. But the, you know, giving them all their second round picks though, I mean, that's kind of a stick up, right? I mean, again, I, I think when I go back to the opportunity cost of this deal of either holding on to Chris, I don't think that was viable. Uh, now, if they could have waived him and, and brought him back for the minimum, you know, it didn't seem like that was going to be in the cards uh, at that point. Uh, you know, it, it didn't seem like the relationship between he and, and the organization uh, was going to be in a great place and, and that he probably would have just gone to the Lakers if he had gotten waived. So you stretch him and then you get the mid-level like, okay, you know, who's I, I, like if you assume that they're just willing to pay because I guess the, the other thing that, that comes to mind for me is just because they had so few assets already. I mean, they really did it just if they had all their draft picks still like, yeah, I would not have done this Bradley Beal deal, but I just don't know how you get more talent in the door than Bradley Beal when you just, you, they had nothing. And like, yeah, second round picks. So we, James Wiseman, you know, Gary Payton, the second was five second round picks. Like that doesn't, you know, Sadiq okay. May, was that going to change your destiny for, uh, it really didn't seem like that was going to, was going to get you anywhere to me. So I, I just, I think that where I probably differ the most with people is like, I'm not thinking that these guys are like the greatest team ever. I do think they're probably as of right now, looking pretty good for the number two team in the West, which is that's, that gives you a chance, you know, one injury to Denver and they're the favorites probably. Uh, 
but I just don't think that people have an adequate understanding of like how fucked they were. That's that's where I think I I differ with most people on on this deal. That basically they overpaid so badly on the Durant deal that the only thing left to do was also take on Beal and just spend even more money. I mean, they did overpay on the Durant deal, and I, your mileage may vary about you know should they have just waited until the off season and maybe tried to get him for a cheaper price. You know, this exploding offer idea. You know, maybe they and also we didn't keep in mind Mikhail Bridges was not what he then later became in Brooklyn. Although as you've noted. He was like kind of starting to become that, but I don't know if six games is enough to really move the needle on his valuation. But I think even before the Durant deal, they also were fucked. Right? Like I, I think that's another thing that just like they didn't really with Aiton just not really working out. Paul was about to be done pretty much. Like he had clearly fallen way off from where he was in 22, and there was just going to be Booker and some guys. Uh, now maybe if Bridges had evolved to be a second guy and then you could have tried to build around those guys, I think that's, that probably is where you can have the most criticism of them in the Durant deal of just not seeing that maybe Mikhail Bridges could have just been their second score, but they, they had a lot of time when they needed a second score and they just failed to develop him in that role. So I guess they moved on from him, but yeah, I think they, they were screwed before the Durant deal. I think that improved their odds a little bit uh, over these next couple of years. And I think getting Bradley Beal improves their odds even more. And you know what? Like, it's just not going to matter. Like, they're, if they're, these next two years are what it's about, and maybe in the next three years, and I think Beal also extends their window, too, for when KD drops off a little bit for them to still be a great offense. So I think I think this improves their chances. I like their chances of winning a championship over these next three years better now than I did on February 1st. On February, before they traded for Durant originally. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the, the number one thing you bring up is that building the best team in the league is really hard, <laughs> right? Like, so, yeah. like, and do, doing any set of moves, whatever set of moves it is, the odds that they don't lead to a championship are orders of magnitude higher than the odds they do, right? Like, that that's just how it is. Only one team wins. So, so from that, that perspective, yeah. You're, you're trying to increase your risk to move the needle toward a championship. I think there's a couple subtle things here uh, that I also worry about. One, Beal's no trade clause comes with him. Like one, one of the one of the things about this deal that's at least sort of interesting is can you do this deal for Beal now and then trade Beal later? If but and and you're not really going to be in a position to do that. Um, no. The other thing is, does it accelerate the timeline for Devin Booker's departure in like 25 or 26 when you're, when you've got old Durant, old Beal, you owe all your draft picks and you just don't have shit else? No, I mean, and that's probably going to happen. Like they, to me, they have a three year window here with KD and uh, with Beal and uh, with Booker. And, uh, you know, 24, 25, 26, and then, like, yeah, you're probably done. Like, KD's done at that point. Beal will will be not – there's no chance he'll be an all-star player at that point. Even Booker will be, you know, what will he be, 30 at that point? Like, he's, like, 27 now. So – and and it probably would make sense to probably trade Booker at that point. He'll have two years left on his deal. And and I guess I – again, as I go through it here, yeah, you know, if they had just – Stood Pat, no KD deal. And, you know, I think they could have been a, a team that was winning 50 games and probably losing sometimes in the first round, sometimes in the second round for probably the next five years. 
And so instead you boost yourself up for three years and you just acknowledge like, Hey, you know, we're just, we're going to go for it here. And then we're just going to suck for a couple of years. We're not even necessarily going to have our draft picks for the first couple of those years. But like you noted, one out of 30 teams wins the championship every year. Like I, I don't know that this is the way that they're thinking. Cause I, I do think that they are probably more just like, eh, you know, we'll figure it out, whatever. Like they're just pushing these consequences on. Maybe they don't fully appreciate what the consequences will be three years from now. I think I do, but cause it, it's just going to be a disaster. But this is just like Devin Booker is a guy who could play at a top 10 level in these playoffs. He might even be able to get higher than that. So his prime is three more years. Let's just fucking go for it. And come what may after that, if we get a championship, it's all worth it. Even if we make the finals, it's probably all worth it because only one out of 30 teams wins every year. I think people want this idea of like, all right, if you're making a deal like this, you better be the championship favorite. It just, right. You know, that's been the history of these super teams where you're like, oh, yeah, look at this. Like, these guys are going to fucking kill everyone. It's like, no, they got a shot. They got a shot. That's all you can have. Like, even that, I think, is worth it to me, given where they were. And that's just that's just the nature of the NBA. I don't know. I, I, I mean, some people would rather say, hey, let's just, like, stay good for a while and try to build up. We'll, maybe some opportunities will come along. Like, I understand that philosophy, too. But um, particularly after they made the Durant move, though, I think this was not a no-brainer, but something I absolutely would have done. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. 
Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. And the accelerant here was that there are new cap rules coming in, which somewhat took away the idea of potentially waiting till February because there would be different salary matching rules at that point and different restrictions on them than there are now. So to that extent, I mean, there was a story uh, Windhorse did about you know, them just saying, okay, let's just blow through it, which is similar to what the, the like, this is the warrior strategy with the Russell trade, which was sort of looked like a disaster. And then they reeled it back in when they did the Wiggins trade, right? Yeah. I mean, they did a great job there, but yeah, and I guess that is true, right? Like Chris was not going to be that good. You're going to lose that salary slot. So this gives you a chance to keep your salary up above that second apron, which you don't, they don't have any like rookies who are going to get big extensions or something. That's really kind of the only other way you can boost your salary up. And I mean, maybe you can say they're going to, you know, the reporting is now they're going to overpay your Jack Landales and the like, uh, your Tory Craigs. And then maybe what they can do is just those guys are quasi expiring contracts at the deadline and they could take back another player who's good, but still overpaid that a team wants to get off of at the deadline, uh, who, who has longer term money as well that could still help them. I mean, if they're, if they're really willing to spend like this and hey, you know what? Three year window again like it's probably not possible to keep spending beyond that even for someone like Ishbia. but uh yeah and I think a lot of people are like freaking out about the second apron I'm not as bothered by that with them because they're just they're going to get out of it in 26 they're not going to have a draft pick that it'll be frozen for a little bit but they're not going to have draft picks that go to the bottom of, of the first round like that they won't end up in that circumstance uh, and if yeah. they do, they'll be so good or think they're going to be so good that it'd be worth it in 27 because 27 is the the year that they have to ultimately decide. But I don't know. Am I convincing you at all here? Or you still think it sucks? <laughs> I I understand the case for it. I it's it still just felt like kind of a, a rash, shiny objects uh, move to me. And we I mean. They don't have to pay the piper right away, so it's hard hard to say. I mean, this thing's going to – the consequences are going to play out in slow motion. It, it'll be interesting to see, like, how good of a team are they even going to be this year with the roster they have and the games that KD and Beal are likely to miss? And I think that's a really interesting question. Yeah, I think also Beal does give you some insurance to where you can still win games during the regular season. Uh, and, uh, and also, I, I think – they really felt like doing this deal now, they felt like they needed a chance to have continuity with their group. They saw what happened when they added KD. They just, then he got hurt. They couldn't build any continuity. I thought that was a huge reason why they ultimately ended up not being competitive with Denver. Although I think there's a little bit of kind of narrative restructuring there where they might win game two if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt and they just completely ran out of depth. Uh, and against Denver, and then Aiton getting hurt in game six wasn't, I mean, he wasn't amazing, but they still needed him. Like, they were going to get smoked. Uh, I mean, they're not, I'm not saying they were, like, so close to Denver, but they could have at least, you know, had a competitive six-game loss if things had gone a little differently with the, uh, the health, and I think they're terrified with the idea of keeping cp that they're just going to end up in that spot again with him being hurt, and you're just drawing dead, and he's not even that good anyway. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. I, 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 and also I think like, you know, the only one ball thing, all these guys can shoot pretty well. Like I think as of these trios, it's not like the best one ever, but it's not even close to the worst one ever. Like they all can shoot. They all have gravity, which I think is maybe even more important than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, can we talk about the other winner in this trade? Mark Bartlesing? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Josh no, Bartlesing? Uh, the Brooklyn Nets. They own unprotected because, uh, first. Phoenix is going to completely be dead by uh, by twenty seven. Yeah, that that year that Phoenix has to bail out of being over the apron. That's the year, the first year that Brooklyn has an unprotected Phoenix first round pick. Yeah, uh, I mean, but that's that's a sunk cost, obviously. Um, I mean, that's kind of how it's supposed to work too. You contend for a while, you trade these picks out seven years. Like, yeah, you're you're potentially going to give up a lot. Right. If, if you I think you don't make a deal like the one they made with KD unless you're OK with. Yeah. You know, if we give up a top five pick in 2027, is that worth it? And you think about who like who could Detroit trade the number five pick for in this draft? And they probably couldn't get Kevin Durant for that. Right now, Mikhail Bridges, they, they probably could. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, I guess that's just like if this if, if they're a good team and they make the finals, like I think that trade was worth it. If, if, but there's a good chance they won't. I get that. Um I don't know. Any, anything else on that? Yeah, the Nets are big winners. I think the Heat dodged a bullet by not trading for Beal. Like they, they, to me, have way more options, right? Like it wouldn't have made sense to trade for Beal as them, but to get him for Phoenix, it did. All right, I, I'm rambling here. Anything else we got to hit on this? Uh, I don't think so. Let's uh, let's talk about the draft. Okay. So. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. There's one thing we do need to talk about. Okay. Washington. Okay, the most bittersweet trade ever, right? Like one, they finally. They finally ripped off the Band-Aid, finally. But, I mean, they paid such a price for this ridiculous no-trade clause and extending Beal in the first place rather than trading him three years ago. I mean, what a what a disastrous sequence of moves that is going to make this rebuild long and painful when it didn't need to be. It really didn't need to be. They could have started this. like They should have rebuilt when it was obvious that John Wall was never going to be the same again. Exactly. And that he was on the, and they did a pretty good job of getting out of that. But, and like, I think if, if Tommy Shepard, who I thought, if you just look at talent in, talent out, won pretty much every trade, if he had been allowed, or maybe you could say was able to convince Ted Leonsis, you know, Grunfeld was part of that too dur- during this time. Yeah. That they needed to just rebuild. Yeah. I mean, 2019, 2020, 2021, like any of those times moving Beal, they could have got a nice haul. They, it's just such a great lesson because they're like, oh, you know, we can't spend all this time in the wilderness. Well, okay, was it really worth it to win 35 games last three years? And now you're going to spend even more time in the wilderness after that, as opposed to just taking your medicine when it's obvious that you're not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've both said a bunch of dumb shit on this show many times, but I think we, we started this podcast in 2019 and <laughs> we've literally been talking about the Wizards tra- needing to trade Bradley Beal since the day we started this podcast, I think. <laughs> and, and, and I think you'd say we were right, too. Uh, yeah, on this absolutely. Sure. They I could mean, have gotten so much for him, you know, a Gobert Mitchell type return for him. And instead, it's Landry Shamit. Yeah. And, and uh, a, a pick swap that's probably going to be worthless in some seconds. And, and, and uh, you know, 10 more wins a year. And, and I mean, not only that, but they also just made their own draft pick worse. The, the, yes. I mean, part of the non return on the trade is Rui Hachimura. Hey, they got a few more seconds for him. Uh, Denny Avdia, Corey Kispert, John Davis. Yes. Thank you. I, I, I left that one to you because I, I knew you would want to say. <laughs> 
no, it's a disaster. And, uh, you know, finally, Leonsis got some religion and, and Michael Winger, I think, is going to do a good job there. Would you let, let me ask you this, though. Was this return so bad that as Washington, you would have just like refused to do the deal? See, I that that was an option I wondered about for them, and it's you know it's hard. the no trade was a complicating factor certainly. Like I, I still think they're in a better position now than they were with Beal on their books, and part of whatever they did with Miami was going to involve taking some unpleasant money back, without a doubt. Right. Like a best case scenario was going to be like what it was going to be like Lowry and Robinson. Right. And so I, I, I do think this makes it easier for them to start over and it gives them a player that they can trade again. Like they, they're going to get more from this trade uh, on the on the rebound when they trade Chris Paul to one of the L.A. teams. They'll get something out of that, too. And yeah, so they'll I mean, increase their take. Something pretty minimal, I, I, I guess. But uh, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they, if they get you know, Covington and Marcus Morris back, they could flip those guys for even worse money. I, I think part of the calculation here for Michael Winger is with this new CBA, you're opening up now some more of these okay, classic OKC, Philly under Sam Hinkie, will take on your bad money and get some assets, trades that we had kind of run out of those in the last two or three years. I mean, Denver is really the only team that's been giving up first to dump guys. And even then they've been swapping it for earlier picks anyway. So we haven't seen that classic, hey, here's our overpaid guy. Give us a first. We'll take him deal. I guess we saw that with uh, with Al Horford and Kemba Walker uh, as well in OKC. But I think there's a feeling that Washington can start to do some of that same stuff. And there aren't going to be that many of those teams that are just maintaining flexibility. So they could have $80 million in cap space next offseason, and they'll have expiring contracts, et cetera, too. So, so they can now start to play that game. And then the other thing, I, Danny and I talked about this some, but who's to say that you hold on to Beal, he starts playing okay, and now Ted Leonsis doesn't want to trade him again, right? Like, yeah, you had, you, you had to strike while the iron was, was hot. You know, that, and that was why, like, you remember the Demarcus Cousins trade? Like, yeah, would Vlade realize, like, I have this window right now, <laughs> and if I don't take advantage of it, um, so I, I do think there's some of that. Boy, that ended up being just such a nothing burger trade for both teams in the end. Yeah, I. I mean, it sort of is what got Sabonis there, though, right? Because that, that's how they ended up with Buddy. Yeah, I guess so. In, in the end, yeah, he, he th- then got that extension. I'm sure they would have had other magic salary. It really was more Halliburton got Sabonis there. But, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that was – and also I think we just didn't really have an understanding of how maybe Cousins' game was a, a little bit limiting and, and that I don't think there was an understanding how bad he was defensively. But it, it was kind of a shame that we never really got to see Cousins at his best trying to be uh, on a winning team uh yeah that's that was just i mean no one ever thinks about that now like him going to new orleans and like that partnership with ad and then him tearing his achilles and yeah we never really saw that happen at all okay let's talk draft here that's what people are waiting for at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you on the Victor Wembanyama is going to be one of the greatest players ever, Train? I think he'll be one of the best players in the league. Uh, the question is for how long? Just because players of his size, the injury rate historically has been really high. Uh, I'm worried about him having ankle problems in particular because the way he shoots, he gets undercut a lot on jump shots. Yeah. Uh, landing zone fouls, which, I mean, he'll get to the line on them and get three shots. But, you know, if he sprains his ankle and is out a month, it's not worth it. So I, I, I worry about his lower extremities a little bit. I think the team around him has done a great job of working on his body in the right way so that his his durability is less of an issue. He played the whole season in France this year, never had a problem. Uh, they're not getting him all jacked up on you know physically so that he's carrying around more weight on those knees and ankles, which I think is really smart. Um, but I mean, physics is what it is. And the history is nobody of that size has ever played a thousand games in the NBA. Mark Eaton? Mark Eaton yeah, is, is the record older. He almost got there. Uh, he, yeah. and, he, and he started his career at like 26. And his cheat code like was never jumping. Yeah, no, never jumping or moving. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the illegal defense rules allowing him to stand uh, 45, feet, 45 feet from the basket while John Stockton and Carl uh, Malone ran a pick and roll. Um, Got to guard him out there. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean – Taking aside the injury risk, I think that's it's not really that fun to talk about. I do think that that's it is a concern more than some other guys, but maybe less so than like a Zion or a John Morant uh, because he, you know he doesn't play like a particular. I, I guess the you know taking the contested jumpers and landing a guy's feet is maybe the one thing. Yeah. Um, hopefully, the flagrant foul rules will will help with that some. Yeah, I mean uh, z- z- you're right though because with Zion it was more apparent that. Okay, is this guy's body going to be able to deal with the explosive force that he's putting on it? Yeah, and Victor doesn't have too much of an injury history, at least right now. But let, let's throw aside the injury risk at this point. I mean, I do think there's a 30% chance or something that he's going to, his career will be substantially affected by injuries. But then you can say that for a lot of guys. Yeah. It, I mean, do you feel like he just has the talent? Like, are, are you on this idea that he's like one of the best prospects ever? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. 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 He's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate. I was, I announced a few of his games on the NBA app in the French league. Yeah. Like I just did insane, ridiculous stuff in every, every game I saw, um, that you just things you can't teach and the skill level for his size, the, the, just the length of his steps, the ground he covers, the, the catch radius, the dunk radius. It's yeah. He, he's, He's going to be insane. Yeah, the one thing I might have some pause over is whether he's going to be a great one-on-one scorer. I think every other aspect of his game is going to be pretty good. I think he'll make spot ups. I, I don't know if he's going to be like this Kevin Durant type of like contested shooter necessarily. Like the numbers aren't quite there on that. But I, I mean, still he could be. But but I think to be like one of the best players of all time. I, I mean, I think he has more of a chance to be like one of the best defenders and maybe even the best defender of all time. And then you know, a pretty 
good offensive player, but the capability, of course, of being more than that. But I, I think, you know, more of a like all-star level of offensive player and one of the best ever defensive players, which is still a great, great player. That's a top 30 player you're talking about, if not yeah. more than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you'd think he's probably has a chance to be the best defender of the really the era when teams started shooting a substantial number of threes. Yeah, because he can cover ground. He's, he's pretty comfortable in switches and like he you want to see him play with more physicality which and i mean that's going to come that's just because he's a teenager right now but yeah yeah i mean he's he's able to just control such an area around the paint and then offensively like as a as a finisher as a rim runner i mean it's like having a seven five anthony davis almost yeah no it's 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 going to be really interesting, and I think that I'm glad that he's going to the Spurs, in part just because it seemed like that's where he wanted to go, so I'm just happy for him, uh, but also I think that they will do a little better job than, uh, you know, Houston. Yeah, um, but the arena's in the middle Detroit. of nowhere, and the Wi-Fi sucks, so how happy are we really that he went to San Antonio? Well, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about him, but yeah, when it's like, also I would say this, too. Like The Spurs were totally unwatchable last year, and now he makes them watchable. 100%. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, let, let's move down here. Who's your number two? I went with Scoot Henderson at number two. And I I think he has this... I, th- I think he was... I don't know if coasting is the right word. Um, but he's kind of doing a waiting around here a little bit with, with G League Ignite. And we've seen that with other players like LaMelo Ball's here in Australia or whatever. And I just just... Watching him, I was able to see him a couple times in person. Like he, he has this explosiveness to him that you don't see in guards. He's he's between his his uh, his body and his length. He, like he's huge for a point guard. Uh, I compare him to like a Derrick Rose, um, or so he's not quite as sudden and explosive as Russell Westbrook is, uh, but he has that kind of quick bounciness to him that Rose had. There's going to be a lot of pull-up jumpers, I think, in his repertoire right now. You do want to see him get all the way to the rim more, but I think he's also a better passer than than those guys were. I would agree with that, and, and the jump shot is way better than most of these athletic point guard types at that stage. Now, I agree. I don't think he's quite at the absolute ridiculous level of like a Westbrook or a Rose and or maybe even a John Wall, but I, his skill level to me is just way higher than those guys at this point in time. Uh, I mean, I love those, the huge hands, wingspan, you know, pretty strong. I, I think he was the, the point guard of a professional team at 18. You just don't see that very often. And yeah, he had a and, lot of injury issues. And really at 17. Guy. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, he was there the year before too. Yeah. And he did get better at, as a shooter. I think, yeah, he had a lot of injuries. He had the concussion that had him out for almost a month. Like that stuff kind of wears on you. Uh, and I think they, they shut him down kind of towards the end of the year. You know, maybe he wasn't fully healthy also. I, I I just, I saw enough on on the film though that I I feel totally good about him at number two. I mean, the bigger thing, this is kind of reminding me, I talked about this uh, with Keandre Ashley yesterday. It seems like everyone that I talk to thinks that Scooch is the second best prospect in this draft and yet it's people are talking about brandon miller being the pick in charlotte it kind of reminds me of like the paulo jabari situation last year uh where a lot of people although you were more of a jabari guy i think but uh, yeah so sorry you, you, do you think it's obvious that you would, would take scoot over brandon miller yeah because i don't have brandon miller third ah uh, yes 
Uh, neither do I, actually. Although I, I did sneak a peek. This is this is going to be a big disagreement for us. Let, let's hash okay. it out here. You had Cam Whitmore as your third best prospect in this draft. Yes. Uh, age and defensive ability. Um, I, I think I think you know there there's a focus on him like playing as a as a scorer. Um, obviously, he's athletic. He's explosive. He's an okay shooter. I think he can get to be a pretty good shooter. I would compare him a little bit to Miles Bridges, like in terms of like an athletic, powerful forward. Uh, I also yeah. think he could be really good defensively, though. I think he has really good hands, really good body. Um, so, whereas a lot of those um, kind of low assist scorers are also bad defenders, I think Whitmore can be a very good defender and add a lot of value on that end too. And then just. The the age part of this has to add into it too. I mean, I just he has so much more runway to get better from here than a lot of other guys. Yeah, he's a year and a half younger than the Thompson twins, for example. And yeah, I, I'm just not a big Whitmore guy at all, honestly. I, I think now if the biggest thing that gives me pause is that age component and how do you project out how much better he can get. I I see some things, though, at least in my projection, again, this is a, quite the inexact science to be sure. I see some things that, yeah, even though he is younger, that I don't necessarily see getting better for him. I, I think the lack of feel offensively is a big part of that. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a decent shooter. Like, I, I expect that he's going to make spot ups. I don't know if I see him making like off the dribble threes. Can't pass at all. Uh, that's that's the big. Every, yeah. yeah, that's the biggest yeah. thing. It's just the pat the passing. Uh, it's just um, not not there. He's got tunnel vision. I, I mean, right I now. guess. I guess what I would say is I don't – there are two things from him that I liked on Philly. Number one is the explosiveness with the head of steam. I actually don't think he's like that quick of a jumper, but certainly he really gets up there when he's he can load up both off of one or two feet and then just cut some of those steals in the passing lanes. But other than that, I really didn't find anything. And I guess the, the, the strength, that would be the other thing. But on film, I just didn't really like very much out of him. Like I didn't think he's – like he'll dribble a lot, but I don't think he's like has a lot of shake. You know, I think he was kind of taught to sort of do these dribble moves robotically. And yeah, you can shoot a step back going to his left off of that, or you can drive really hard left if there's no one in front of him. Uh, can't pass. Uh, I don't, I think his finishing on non dunks concerns me. And then I think the biggest thing why I'm lower on him than a lot of people is very limited length and very small hands. And I think like some of the, the film of him defending in isolation, I was not very impressed by. I think he doesn't get any kind of a contest. Like I, there are people who are like, Oh, he's got like a seven foot wingspan. And then it came out that he was six, nine. And I'm like, he might, he looks like he's got a six, six wingspan out there. Like he really just mm-hmm. doesn't use his arms at all. Doesn't get a great contest. So I, when I throw all that stuff in there, I'm, a little bit more concerned about his ability to operate as a pure power forward because of the lack of length. And yeah, I, I just, I think at some point you take him just because of the body and the athleticism and the age, but I don't, that's not in the top five. To me. Okay. He reminds me a I lot mean, of, is a, part lot of this, yeah, go ahead. a lot of Jalen so, Brown. So fire back. You're, yeah. He you're reminds me a lot of Jalen Brown season at Cal where there were just so many warts to chew on if you wanted to. Um, but the, that's funny. Cause I love Jalen Brown. I was way higher okay. than the consensus on him. Okay. Uh, and I, I just think when you com- when you combine the age with the athleticism and, and production, there's there's just a lot of outs for him to to get better in different areas. I don't know, maybe like he doesn't have like that classic long basketball player body that you project a bunch of upside into. He's more of a cannonball. I agree with that. Uh, but 
I, I still think he could be he could be a really big time scorer who is also a plus defender, and that's a pretty rare combination. Yeah, I guess that's the biggest place we disagree is I I don't think he has like that type of scoring pilot. And now, Bron, I agree with you. His year at Cal sucked, and now they had no spacing on that team uh, at all. But Bron had a seven foot wingspan. I thought he was more explosive, more shake. Liked him better as a shooter, and I, and I knew some of that about Bron because I had followed him more closely at some of the lower levels, even when he was in high school, which I haven't had the chance to do with Whitmore. Uh, but yeah, and and I just. Not seeing any plays where you're like, all right, I, I this guy has like a pretty good understanding. Yeah, Jalen Brown has never been a, a great field guy either. But I yeah, I really I thought he had like more shake, more like first step explosiveness. The whole thing the whole thing about how I, I think that Whitmore just has all these little things that just kind of showed that he's a really sort of a robotic player. Like just the fact that he like can't ever go right. Like he literally can't go like it, <laughs> he drives left like 85% of the time, and every time he tried to go right, he just got stopped or turned it over immediately. Immediately. Like it just like yeah okay you can work on that. R.J. Barrett is the guy who's, who's gotten a lot better there, but it just like that's the sort of thing that makes me think like all right this guy is doesn't have enough feel and understanding of offensive basketball to be like a great score to me at, at least. So uh but but you just feel like there's so much raw clay here that you you believe he's going to figure it out. That and then I wasn't I guess I wasn't totally overwhelmed with my other options there. Yeah okay so Amen Thompson is number three on my board. Okay. Very high risk. I realize it because I think his yeah. shooting is terrible, and I think there's a greater than fifty percent chance that it doesn't get much better. And if the, and if that's the case, then you're sort of looking at a. Although I think the, even with the passing and the ball handling and potential defensive ability, that he you know has a, a reasonably high floor of being sort of like a a bigger version of like what Russell Westbrook was maybe two years ago. Uh, if the shooting comes around, you know I think we're talking about a guy who would easily be the number two pick in this draft. But I, I think I'm sort of just parroting, I think, the consensus on him. I'm guessing you are lower on him, so you're you probably have the more unique opinion maybe you should. Slightly lower on him. Um, oh, slightly lower, okay. So I, ha- I had him sixth, um, and I really, like, there's a lot of variance on this for me. It's just hard to say. I mean, he's his age, like already being 20, and then spending the last two years playing these bullshit games against high schoolers, like I just don't think you really know what you're getting uh, with him. No, which, I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, which which makes it a little hard. Uh, the the shot is is I'd say of the of the brothers like Amin's shot is probably more broken, um, but he's uh, the the better athlete. Like a lot of a lot of two foot takeoffs though um like you you want to see him do more stuff off one foot if he's going to be a guard who's like penetrating getting to the rim but he's a guy who like you used Russell Westbrook I would say like young Andre Iguodala except bigger um would be yeah. like if you're if you're trying to make an a, a comparison to like his athleticism and ability to handle the ball with size and and do things and defend so there could be a lot there. The background on both of them is really good. Uh, so they have that going for them. Uh, how so? Can you elaborate on that? Oh, the, you know, smart kids, hard workers, won't get in trouble. Like, you know, ace all that. 
Yeah, I might have a, a SAR as kind of more more the Iguodala comparison, although I, I it might be – I don't know that. I think they might have a little more, or, or at least a, a man in particular, a little more just like first-step explosiveness. And Andre, though, like his arms, hands, like he, he was – I think he'll be even better. Saying you're going to be as good defensively as Andre Iguodala, that's asking for a lot. Uh, and Andre was just, you know, a rid- even more ridiculous dunker, I would say. Uh, so that's, that's asking a lot. But I, I think that's an interesting – comparison i think just a a man has more of that on ball attack explosiveness primary ball handler field maybe asar is kind of more in that mold just because i think he's just not wired to be that main on ball guy in a way that maybe is kind of more what andre was that's an interesting comparison so i i think he's probably going to go higher than sixth and i i understand that i may be being too conservative putting him at six i i there's just a lot of variance on this one for me because we just – I don't think we know how to evaluate overtime elite yet. And so it makes it a little bit of a mystery meet. I'm not as worried about that because they're great athletes. It's not this – I made this comparison with Kendra yesterday. It's not this Evan Turner bullying his way into the lane, not being his man, and then just shooting over a smaller guy. It's, it's yeah. like they are great athletes. You don't see the stuff on film where you're like, oh, they'll never get away with that in the NBA because like the guys will be way more athletic. Like They're they're going to be some of the best athletes in the NBA, I mean, particularly a men, maybe less so as a SAR. So uh, that's – the level of competition didn't bother me that much. Also, like, don't you think that their, their team would have beaten like decent college teams i have no idea <laughs> i like i don't even know how to they played a couple like real games against overseas teams and did sort of okay yeah but like, I mean, like most, that adelaide game they did pretty decently like they adelaide didn't play like all their guys but like you know antonius cleveland is getting some tick in there he's like an actual real pro who was in the nba for a, li- a little bit uh like they do have a lot of time ta- i mean they're definitely more talented than your average I mean, if you think about, again, this is a little bit different, but think about every year, the Hoop Summit USA team going against the Portland Generals, who are like kind of, you know, local college guys. Admittedly, they're thrown together. USA is a little more time to prepare. They'll press and stuff. But USA usually will kill like these local college guys. A lot of them are actually like pretty decent. They're showing Mm -hmm. up there to be in front of scouts. So I guess they're younger, but they're also more talented than your average college team by a ton. I don't know. I guess there'll be a nice advertisement if they turn out. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's really – the other interesting thing is that Overtime Elite's model actually is turning away from this kind of thing and more toward just – Taking in sixteen and seventeen year olds and having them play at overtime elite and then go to go to a college program. Yeah, it does. You're like, man, you're twenty years old and like you didn't even play in college yet. But yeah, I'm not sure about whether the, I mean, some of the games they're playing when they're just like playing another overtime elite team for the ninety seventh consecutive game. Like, yeah, okay, they probably maybe yeah. didn't bring the highest intensity level. But yeah, uh, so yeah, so I've I've been number three at Bet three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. 
Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Should we talk about Miller? Yes. I have him fourth. Do I have him fourth? Yeah, I think I do. I, I, I think he's really safe. I think he can, you know, he can shoot. He can handle the ball. He's a pretty good passer. Defensively, he's fine. Uh, he has the size. He's going to be a starting three in the NBA. I'm just no, not sure I see a leading man there. That's that's why I have him fourth. I just It's hard for me to use a top three pick on a guy who I'm not sure is ever going to be the best player on a good team or, or, or can, can access that. Yeah, I think he would be totally fine top three pick in a lot of drafts. I'm just a big believer in Scoot and Amen. But when you say a, a wing at 6'9", who can shoot it the way he can, handle, pass... I just wish he were a little bit more athletic, a little bit better defensively. So you could see him being in that kind of lower rung all-star level, maybe as a wing. But I agree with you, just being the main on-ball threat, it just doesn't, I don't think he has the on-ball juice to do that. Now, could he be a real threat, like coming off the screens? Is that, like that to me, his path to being like a true all-star is, is he become like a a later career Paul George-esque shooter? But he still is never going to have that level of athleticism. Yeah, and you could say like he has no juice as a finisher. Um, and so that, yeah, it's just hard to, it's hard to project even, even though his, like his mid to low case outcomes are probably better than a lot of the guys we've talked about. His, is his right tail just isn't there to me. No, I agree. And again, it still, when you're talking about a, a guy who's a starting wing with, with a stealing a lower end all-star and is, he's not one of these guys who can't shoot at all. So yeah, the bus potential is pretty low. I mean, that is actually a player worthy of being the number two pick in a lot of drafts. I just don't think it's necessarily this one. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, I, uh, so that's my number four. Number five for me, I think I probably would end up with the SAR. Okay. I had, there. I had, Amen sixth and Asar seventh. Okay. And so your five was, have we talked about your five yet? No. Okay. Regales. Anthony Black. Another guy we're going to disagree on here. I, you're, I definitely you're not a fan? Lower. Okay. Um, I guess the shooting is the, the biggest thing. And I, I just, he brings a lot of these issues where I think he'll make a spot up with like a ton of time and space, but I think he's not going to be a good enough shooter, ball handler to be a guy who is an on-ball threat. And then the shooting becomes kind of an issue. And so I, I just want, I, I'm worried about his upside and his fit for that reason. I, I love watching the film of him, particularly defensively. He's a smart player. I think he's going to be a good player in the league for a long time, but doesn't have the upside to me as a, a top five pick. To me, he has Jason Kidd upside where if he becomes an average shooter, everything else he does is so good and his basketball IQ is so high and his size and everything else uh, that he becomes one of the most valuable players in the league. I don't think he's quite that as a lateral mover or with his strength or as a passer. I, I guess the I think he's very good at a lot of these things, but there wasn't any one of those aspects that blew me away enough to where I was willing to overlook the the shooting and scoring aspects. But you must think that he is that level of a passer. If you're going to bring out Jason Kidd, then you, you must be pretty impressive. I, I will say the Kidd comparison to me was more at the defensive end. Okay. I, it's just this bit, this big point guard who, um, who can who can size up really easily on defense, has a really high basketball IQ. I'm, I'm with you that I saw good passes from him. I didn't see anything that brought me out of my seat. 
Um, and I, I got a, I got a good look at him too. You know, I watched him in the SEC tournament. Um, but I just like overall, like I just, I just like him as a player. He's still really young. Uh, so at, at this point, I mean, maybe it's crazy for me to have him ahead of the Thompsons. Um, maybe I'm overvaluing sort of the, the variance of, uh, of, of the overtime elite and, and how to project that. Uh, but, but yeah, I really like Anthony Black. Yeah, and my philosophy, I think ours is a little bit different here. Like, I could very easily see Anthony Black being a better player than one of the Thompson twins, uh, if maybe even both of them, if those guys don't work out. But I just don't think he has the same top end outcome. I guess you saw him in person. You probably have a better feel for his shooting. You want to talk about that? Yeah, it's not good. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got a he's got a ball dip. It's it's kind of he doesn't have much confidence in it. Uh, it's slow. Like, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done there. My biggest concern there, I a lot of guys can improve as shooters for sure. It's just the fact that he has a release mechanism where he's just not going to be able to get the shot off with any kind of versatility. Like, I think if eventually you throw in the ball on the perimeter for an open three, I think he'll be able to make it okay. But he's shooting it off his chest, really tough for him to shoot it going right. I, I have some confidence he could develop a floater. Maybe that's how he gets to be a little bit better in pick and roll. But I mean, I see him ultimately as like a very high level of role player with some limitations in terms of how he can add up with other guys offensively. Although he makes up for that with his transition and his passing and you know, ability to finish off the ball and make great cuts. Like, I really enjoy the intelligence that he plays with. I'm, I just can't. If you're not going to, if you, to me, don't have the potential as a guard to be a dominating shooter or scorer, I'm not too interested in the top five level. Who's your next guy? Yeah, so I had a SAR at five. Then I pro- probably uh, another drop. I, I would say, you know, drop off between Amen and Miller, another drop off to a SAR. And then it's probably Whitmore and Hendricks. Actually, okay. I think I would have Grady Dick not too far behind. And I only w- looked at uh, maybe 11 guys total. So there are, could be guys in the teens I w- uh, in some of the mocks that I would like more. Okay. Uh, I'm a little lower on Jarris Walker. Seeing him now mocked to the Pistons at five is kind of I had not. Yeah. I had Jarris Walker 12th. Yeah, let, let's talk about him. Sure. Um, I think he potentially could be a really monstrous defender. Uh, I think he moves his feet on the perimeter really well he has timing for shot blocks really high rebound rate for a four like i you know and this is as a freshman like i think he's he's very much a menace on that end and and will be probably plug and play offensively i think he's maybe pj washington um (laughs) and probably needs to shoot better to get to that he's a he's a good athlete a pretty good passer uh could maybe do some stuff as a small ball five uh, as a shooter, I don't trust him. He didn't shoot that great a percentage. He, um, uh, he jumps to his left when he shoots. And I, I think fixing that and tightening that up is, is, uh, going to be a little bit of a, you know, something that takes some work. Uh, not, not a good foul shooter. I think kind of off the dribble, creating his own shot isn't really there right now. So I, I think he's a good prospect. Like I, I de- like he is a lottery pick, no question. I just putting him in the top half of the lottery, putting him ahead of these other guys that we've talked about, putting him ahead of Taylor Hendricks. Like that's where I can't get there. Yeah, I, I think he definitely checks a lot of boxes as a modern player. I, I don't think I may be a little bit lower on some of his lateral movement 
than you. Uh, and but you know he definitely he does something. I think he's going to be above average defensive power forward. Are we talking about a guy who's going to switch on to guards? Eh, yeah, maybe not. You know he has this length, but I maybe he doesn't use it quite as much as I would like. Uh, he's only kind of a solid athlete, not a, a a guy who's really going to like go up and dunk on people and finish. And then the shooting, I think, is just he settles in as like an average guy who will make some shots, but that you're not you're not freaking out about him necessarily. Yeah. And I agree with you that the on-ball stuff the first step is not really very impressive like maybe he can get some like little duck-ins and stuff grant williams style here and there but i think he's i project him to be a you know, below 20 percent usage guy as a power forward and he can pass a little bit too on uh, driving on some closeouts but you know i, I think he, he's going to be a role player offensively almost certainly to me um uh, but it sounds like you're higher on hendrix yeah i have hendrix ninth uh I think he's he's another guy where I, the one-on-one shot creation I don't trust as much, uh, but he is a a better shooter than than Walker is. Uh, I've heard he's been really good in workouts too. Um, shot thirty-nine point six from three. I'm not sure if I totally trust that. Like he, he kind of he leans left when he shoots. Like it's almost like a Kevin Martin shot. Um, and uh, so I don't know how consistent he's going to be. Where he's going to be like a money shooter all the time. But he's good. He'll be a pick and pop threat. Uh, really good defender across positions. I think he has a lot of switchable utility. Very good secondary rim protector. You know, can get a lot of blocks that way. Uh, as he fills out, can maybe play some small ball five either, even when he's, you know, playing as a stretch. And then, uh, not totally like the, the hottest motor, I would say. Uh, which might worry me a, a little bit. Like, I just don't think he's totally wired to be the man, uh, which is, is fine if he's not going to be that guy anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but that like definitely a good, interesting player, really interesting. Cause he wasn't seen as any kind of prospect uh, for the lottery coming into the season, you know, went to central Florida. I didn't go to Duke or Kentucky or something. And then just as the year went on, people were like, Hey, look at this guy. Wow. Do you have a comp for him? I mean, almost like a better shooting Jonathan Isaac. Maybe yeah, not, that's maybe an not, interesting Maybe one. not quite the defensive menace that peak Isaac was. But yeah, although Isaac, to me, as a prospect, didn't look like he was going to be the level of rim protector that he ended up becoming for all too brief of a period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am a believer in the shooting. Uh, I think uh, at least, you know, to be for the power forward position above average and maybe even becomes a guy who can come off the screens yet yeah, he's got to clean up his lower body but he's not a huge dip gets it off quickly uh and i think he can do enough as a, a finisher you know you can roll or pop out of, out of pick and roll potentially maybe duck in every once in a while get out in transition like i think he could actually get up to kind of like a 20 percent usage rate uh and I think he has the upside to maybe be a third scorer, if not a third creator, a third scorer on a team. I don't know if he gets yeah. there. But yeah, then his rim protection at the power forward position, I think, is really good. He's He really surprised a lot of guys with his rim protection. That's, that's valuable. I think there are not that many players who can shoot like him and also add that supplementary rim protection at the power forward. And then, I mean, how did you feel about his on-ball defense? If you're going to compare him as an isolation defender against smaller guys to Walker, how does that comparison go to you? I I thought... I thought Hendricks, like I, I definitely like I, I saw I went to the Cincinnati game, like he got beat on a switch at the end of the game for a big three, um, by a little guard. Like you, you definitely can score on him on a, in a switch, but I, he has size, he moves well. 
I probably might like Walker a little better. Like I Walker to me is just very nimble side to side. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I saw him on the right right or wrong day or whatever. Uh, and, and like really almost like he wants to get into the ball and pressure it even when it's a smaller guy. Uh, he he was really interesting to me at that end. You're talking about Walker now at the yeah, end there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think like being strong defensively and even though you're not supposed to put your hands on guys, you, the ability to do that at times can be useful. I'm not sure which of those guys is going to be better. I think I might lean Hendricks because I think he can use his length to bother shots a little bit more, which I, I realize Walker is a little bit bigger, uh, a little bigger wingspan, but Hendricks has a much higher standing reach, 811. I think Walker is in like the 88 range. So, and that's why Hendricks is a superior shot blocker. And I think Hendricks, when he actually got down into a stance he could move his feet pretty well i thought some of his worst moments were when he tried to kind of be more upright and just contain and use angles and then guys were, were able to get past him or, or shoot over him so i don't know I, I i think either of those guys could turn out to be the better defender on the perimeter but i think Hendricks is clearly a better shooter and the only thing yet walker has on him offensively is passing uh which and this isn't you're not gonna be on ball enough that that passing gonna matter too much and then i i think i ultimately like Hendricks' defense better although i, I that could go either way for it's me close, but Hendricks right? is also yeah sorry it's close it's close between them on that so i this will probably be controversial for you i mean i guess i would have to go with more i think i actually would have Hendricks above with more uh, which I'm sure is heresy to you. But yeah, so Hendricks might be my number six guy. Whitmore, I think I probably would have to go with him at seven. And then uh, I actually really, I I didn't look at uh, Derek Lively, didn't look at Buffkin, only looked at Hood Shafino a little bit. Okay, uh, so I, I like, yeah. I had Lively eighth and Buffkin tenth. So those like were the other two guys in my top 10. Yeah, you've been on the Buffkin train for a while. Are, are you not a believer in Grady Dick? I had Grady Dick 11th. Okay, so that's that's about where most people would have yeah. it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And yeah, if I, uh, Buffkin, I've only, you know, watched a couple of videos on him. I haven't really dove into it myself. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about, uh, Lively uh, and Buffkin, uh, neither of whom I, I've really looked at. So f- feel free to regale us with whatever observations. You can. Lively, really interesting player because he hardly ever scored at Duke. Um, but defensively, he's seven one. He can move his feet on the, on the perimeter. He can protect the rim. Uh, reminds me a lot of Tyson Chandler as a player, actually, but both defensively and offensively. Uh, the one thing with Lively, he can shoot threes. You watch him in warm up, like he, he can shoot. Um, he hasn't really tried to do it in games much, um, except for the one game I went to where they beat Georgia Tech by like 800 points and he, he launched one because they were winning by like 30. Um, I, I, I think he can be a really good, 
rim running, rim protecting center. And I'm not big on drafting centers usually, but he's an archetype where if you have that guy and he's good enough and he can switch, then he's a 40 minute player, even in a playoff game. And that does have value. So to me, that's why he cracked my top 10. Yeah, if he has some shooting potential, that's obviously interesting. Although we, we've seen a lot of these shooting potential guys not really work out too well uh, to where – and they've got to be on a team where you have another penetrator where it makes sense to not have that guy be the primary pick-and-roll guy uh, as well. You know, with, with Brooke Lopez, if there's no Giannis, they don't have Brooke Lopez standing out at the arc like yeah. that. Um, so you think he's just like a dominating shot blocker though? Uh Yes, I don't know if he's going to block as many shots as like Walker Kessler did, let's say. Um, although his like his his block rates are pretty similar to like Mark Williams a year earlier. Yeah, uh, and he uh, so I, I think he'll be a very good rim. I don't know how many blocks he's going to rack up, but the thing is, he's going to be a rim protector who also can defend on the perimeter. You don't have to. You're not limited to a drop coverage with him. Like he can legitimately switch. Oh, okay. That is exciting if if he's able to do that as well. I mean, if he's that great of a rim protector, maybe you only do that late clock. But yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're talking about the lower end of the top 10, drafting like a good starting center there is not crazy. Uh, but and then finishing around the rim, he has enough bounce to be like that alley oop threat or. Uh, yeah. Those are the only shots he attempts in games right now. Like, literally, he'll get an offensive rebound and just throw it back out, which actually is kind of helpful, right? Like, more guys should do that. But yeah. uh, you, you want him to look at the basket probably a little more than he did last year. Like, there's no post game whatsoever. All right, well, let's break this up here. We talk about Grady Dick. And to me, the reason I have him pretty high, and again, cautioning that I haven't looked at closely at Lively or Buffkin, but the reason I would have him... Uh, you know, above even uh, Jarris Walker probably is. I think he's, I think he's going to be one of those really good off ball shooting guards. I think the shooting is pretty real there, but he also has enough athleticism to get out and transition or go back door and finish. He's just constantly moving. I really like the way that he plays, but I also think he's just a better athlete and better, particularly as a team defender than the majority of those guys for that player type to have 50 steals I think is really impressive and I think he'll get strong enough as well like he's he's not going to be a Duncan Robinson I think he could be kind of more on the Max Struess level of shooter defender but I think he's going to really yeah. shoot it and he's, he can do a little bit off the dribble as well as a shooter maybe not as a passer so I, I think he can be a guy that you really run plays for like that's so valuable to just have a guy that you can run a different kind of play for than just your normal pick and roll handoff kind of game who's always moving off the ball that you have to stick to in more than just a spot up situation and then i think he's very passable defensively yeah they, they went at uh, other teams went at him a lot uh like it was it was almost funny at times but um, why do you think they did that i i <laughs> i think i mean kansas had a really good defensive point guard whose name is escaping me right now so they were trying to get away from him a little bit i think um uh, but I also think other teams just looked at him and like, yeah, sure, let's go at that dude. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, obviously, any white shooter is immediately going to get called up for it. Uh, I, I thought he held up pretty decently. His his feet are not great, but he like he's six eight, like he's big. So yeah. I, I think he'd make up for that. His his hands are are fairly fast. Uh, so I don't think he's going to be a disaster on defense. Uh, I th- like that Strews comparison is pretty good. I like that he's not just a shooter or a movement shooter, but a big movement shooter. Uh, 
So he can, he can get it up over the closeout, has a pretty quick motion, very repeatable. Uh, probably want to see him be a little better shooter off the off the dribble, incorporate more sidestep threes and and whatnot. Like right now, if he if he pulls it down initially, uh, he doesn't he doesn't like get into a pull up very easily right now. Uh, so you want to see a little more of that. But yeah, I I think he has a chance to be a really high level shooter who doesn't really hurt you on defense. Yeah, and I guess the, the more the question maybe is just how valuable a player like that is compared to someone like Jarris Walker. I think it's probably him. Yeah, uh, that's but but I'm uh, you know I, I guess you have uh, Dick Hire also, but I just I also like the intelligence with which he plays. I think and having like solid athleticism for a, a two guard and solid size. Like you know he's not going to play the three because he can't. Oh, I, I think, don't think he's going to guard threes. Oh, I think he's absolutely going to play the three. Yeah. Well, but that I don't think he's the guy that you want guarding the other. Oh no, I'd much rather him have him guarding the three than the two. I I I, I think that makes his his speed disadvantage much less. I think as he fills well, out, he might, if, he might play some four as he fills out. Yeah, I don't know if he has the length for that. He does rebound though, which which is nice. I guess you know maybe you're hiding him on the three if the three isn't any good, or he'll play he'll guard the two if the two is just more of a shooter type of guy. I mean, he's not gonna whoever the worst. Yeah, realistically, yeah, he's he's guarding Patrick Beverly or you know whoever whoever the worst uh, perimeter player is on the other team's offense without without a doubt. All right, well let, let's wrap up here with with Buffkin and then maybe you can give me a couple of your sleepers that you're higher on the consensus with too. Yeah, I Buffkin tenth. Uh, he's a little bit in between the guard spots, but good handle. Good passer, long arms, um, has to refine his, his off the dribble shot a little bit. It's kind of long release right now. Kind of his, like his arms are long enough that it's kind of like almost getting the way a little bit. He needs to tighten that up a little bit. I thought defensively he was good. He's uh, quick, long, good hands, gets off the floor quickly. Um, I, like, I think, I think it'd be really good on that end. Uh, I just think, He's one of those guys. He has a lot of a lot of different outs to becoming a, a very good player. Maybe it ends up that he's just kind of a block combo guard at the end of the day. But I just think there's a lot of different directions he could go. Like he could become a full time point guard. He could become a really good perimeter shooter. Uh, he could become an ace defender. Like none of those are like guaranteed or anything. But when you see a guy like this who's like good, pretty good in so many different areas. It's like, man, there's a, there's a lot of different directions where this can go and succeed. And so I think at this point, in the you know, once the real top, top guys are off the board, he becomes really interesting to me. And he's still young. Like, even though he's a sophomore, he's younger than a lot of the one and duns. So you are a lot higher, I think, than most on Dariq Whitehead, who is 14th on board. Yeah. Um, injury guy a little bit. A uh, little bit of a gamble, you know, comes off the foot surgery, needed another one after the season. Uh, good shooter, probably needs to get more air under the ball on a shot, uh, but definitely good good looking release. Uh, good athlete, although he didn't always show the ability to play in the flow of the game this year, which is a little bit of a concern. Uh, inside the arc, he wasn't very good. Uh so I, you know, I, the other thing I guess I, I look at the birth certificate too. I mean, I, I think teams still undervalue this part. Like he's one of the youngest players in the whole draft, August two thousand four birthday. So I that that part pushes him up my board too. 
Yeah, a lot of it, what you're talking about there is just that you're, he, he was injured for a lot of the year because he was considered the higher level prospect. Than, yes. Because yeah, most most of these mocks have him, you know, kind of late 20s. I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Who else do you want to talk about here? I'll give you I'll give you two more before we, we got to take off. Well, you said you looked at Jalen Hood Shafino. I mean, a little. I, I frankly you, got a little you think, bored and I what'd you I, think and of I him? stopped. <laughs> We were we were gonna do a full scout on him, and I was like, you know what? I don't even know if I need to talk about this guy. Though. He, he just like, what does he do other than shoot mid rangers off the dribble? Reasonably, well? I mean, he's got like okay size. There's some potential there, maybe more shooting potential to shoot the three off the dribble, but not really much of a first step. Not a great finisher. Uh, you know, kind of okay defense. It just, he just there wasn't anything about him where I was like particularly excited. Like I think there's the building blocks there to be a good. NBA player, uh, but as kind of a 6-3 point guard but or maybe like a combo guard off the bench or something like that, but just not, not someone who particularly titillates, I would say. Okay, I, I had him 40th. Like, I don't get it at all. Yeah, well, uh, okay, fair enough. He's he's the one guy where I'm probably most outside the consensus on. Okay, you, I mean, you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I, I, I mean, just, I, I don't think I would have been that low on him just because of like the body and the ball handling and stuff, but uh, and like some shooting potential. But I like was, a, a sophomore aged freshman who wasn't notably good in the Big Ten, and the thing when guys when guys subsist on tough shot making as collegians. It almost never translates to the pros. Like you, what you're looking for is, is them getting all the way to the basket and getting the easy stuff because the, 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 the margin is just too fine. If, if you have to depend on tough shot making, I mean, it's, it's like Johnny Davis all over again to me. Um, so maybe he makes it. He had, he has good size. There's some, there's some things to like there. Um, in terms of, you know, his IQ, his on ball defense seemed pretty good. Uh, so wouldn't totally dismiss the idea of him becoming some kind of player, but like to use a lottery pick on him, but like, like what is the upside scenario of that? Like, what, what is he going to become that you're, you're envisioning down the road that is, that is so alluring? Like, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. Yeah, that was kind of my thought too. That it, maybe there's a possibility he becomes solid in some of these areas, but when your number one skill is shooting mid rangers against a drop coverage off the pick and roll as a point guard, I'm not too excited about that. And particularly because he doesn't really have the shake to like create that himself. He's got it relying on the pick and roll. It, it, yeah. Okay, if you can add that with elite passing, all right, maybe you got something there. But I, I it didn't uh, that didn't stand out to me necessarily. Okay, last one. I get one more. Okay. Uh, the guy had number 16 on my board. I think I'm way higher than him than a lot of people. Jaime Jaquez. Yeah, I haven't seen much of him. Uh, Keandre was disagreeing with you, and not, not that he knew your take necessarily, but uh, as a guy that he was a little lower on than some, uh, it's just really a feel thing for you that you're, you appeal, uh, is, is, has the appeal there. Yeah, IQ, defense, ball handling. I know he's, he's a wobbly shooter, um, and... Some athleticism questions, although I, I think his athleticism will hold up. Uh, I've just always really liked him, his, his feel, his, his subtle skills, you know, the ability to play off the dribble, finish with touch, short range, uh, get to get, you know, get to either hand, put his body into a guy and just create that half foot of space so he can get his shot off. He like he just has so many little knacks for playing the game. I just I have a hard time seeing him not make it. Okay, well I, I can't really comment on him. 
that much, but uh, well, I you might be seeing a lot of them next year. <laughs> oh man, yeah. This I, I will say this reporting now that the word's like, all right, we're done with these young guys. We're going to get guys who know how to play in our system. And just like, oh, they are, they uh, are, they are all the way in on the Christian Braun thing. Like, yeah, they, yeah, but what's that is what I'm hearing too. Like they, they yeah, they're they're going to get they're going to get a win now, guys. So it's probably going to be like Hawkes or Chris Murray or somebody like that. What's uh, Jacob Evans up to these days, by the way? <laughs> yeah, that is, one is, is, is he uh, is. Would it be time for him to, to get that uh, rookie scale extension right about now? Is that right? No, I guess I guess that would have happened a couple of years ago. I, I surprisingly, I never heard anything about that. That was, I mean, we were, I mean, we were in the room in Memphis. Obviously, we were so surprised by that pick because I don't think he made our top sixty, um, and everyone was kind of like, "Wow, <laughs> is that?" Now, I'll say, I mean, there's been other times where picks have made that surprises that turned out awesome. So you know. And you know, our nobody's draft history is perfect, but that that was a that was a pick that really shocked us at the time when it was made. Yeah, I've never been a big believer of let's draft someone who can contribute to our team right now because it just that rarely works out in the first two years, even if the guy is like some senior or something. They also like the, the Warriors' depth is not really too big of an issue. I guess they're going to lose to Vincenzo, but uh, I, I mean, I guess they just okay, they're the Wiseman and Kuminga experiences, and even Moody. It's like okay, we've got too many raw guys. You know, Patrick Baldwin didn't contribute last year, but the high likelihood is that whoever you get is not going to contribute to a Warriors level team in the first two years anyway. And so you really should just be drafting for whoever you think the best player is going to be three or four years from now. Like it just, we want the guy who's going to contribute in year one is just insane to me uh, for, especially for a team like that. I I mean, that's been, that's been the absolute history. Yes. And you like, know, like it looks, it looks, you remember the ones like Christian Braun that work out. Yeah. Pretty but well. even he played like, what seven minutes in the conference finals or whatever he played right like he had one good finals game at the end of the day yeah and he's really only viable offensively in the playoffs because he's playing a fair amount with Jokic. i mean he can't really yeah. shoot like there there are a lot of teams where it just like the warriors for example i don't think braun would have worked because he just doesn't shoot the ball like they they already have guys who can't shoot you can't bring in another non-shooter so yeah i, I mean it, you remember the ones that work and you forget the ones that fail. I, I, I like this. I think th- supposedly safe choices. They, I think they have just as big of a fail rate, fail rate as the non-safe choices. A lot. Oh, of uh, it, it, yeah. At least to the extent. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say almost bigger. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, because you don't have you don't have that upside outcome. Your your right tail outcome. So I to say exactly. Okay, well, uh, keep up with us, uh, Danny. And I will probably be back again today to cover some more of these off season outlooks. So yesterday on Dunked On Prime, we went through a very exhaustive list of possible trade candidates with that number ten pick for Dallas, and then. We've got the mock-off season coming up less than a week away from that. So if you are not a Dunked On Prime subscriber, you can also get every episode uh, with me and John as well. And uh, Danny and I, five days a week, you get great writing from Seth Partno and the Daily Dunks from Dan Felbin in your email box or podcast form. So never a better time to be a Dunked On Prime subscriber than the next month or so. So we hope to see you over there. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.